The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. So we're going to talk about um, not just the regular case of forgiveness, um, but various dilemmas that arise. Um, as we know, forgiving someone is a very hard thing. So the first thing to understand is this time of the year, the reason forgiveness is not limited to this time of the year. Um, it's not only it's only it's not only done Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. Um, just this time of the year happens to be the time of judgment, as we know. So because it's the time of judgment, actually yesterday, by the way, why is this year the time of the year the time of judgment? Yesterday was the 25th of Elul, which according to tradition is the day that the world was created. The world was created, so it's an argument, there's actually two opinions as to what day the, what day the world was created. Some say the first of Nisan. Oh, so man was created on Rosh Hashanah. Humans were created on Rosh Hashanah six days after after the world. So the world um, was created yesterday, which was Chafei Elul, 25th day of Elul. Sixth day on the sixth day, we know Adam and Eve were created. So that's why. So therefore, every year on the day on that day, sixth day after creation, which is Tishrei, which is Tishrei, which is Rosh Hashanah. So every year on that day, God takes stock of his of his creation, creation of humankind, and that's why we're judged. So Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, so the real reason why we're into forgiveness at this time of the year is really, like I said, it's not limited to this time of the year, it's just that it's sort of a deadline. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is viewed as a, since we're being judged, so you want to make sure that all is smooth um, with all your relationships. Um, and that's why, specifically this time of the year, uh, one is... Uh, one tries to seek forgiveness. Yes. So you, you try to seek forgiveness between from God or from no? Well, there's God, but as we're going to see, you can't seek forgiveness from God until you're forgiven from your fellow man. So there's really there's both aspects, um, as we'll see. But forgiveness from your fellow man is actually more important than God, as we're going to talk about. Okay. So so let's let's start with the first. So there's two, two dilemmas. There's two cases that I had. Um, um, which are problematic. Meaning, obviously, in a regular case, you, you wrong someone. So again, it's, it's very easy to say. It's not so simple to actually do, but you have to ask forgiveness. We're going to talk about that in the Rambam. The Rambam says, and the Talmud discusses, that you need to ask forgiveness. That means until you're forgiven by man, by your fellow man, you cannot go and ask forgiveness from God. Because in Kippur, in Shul, what we're doing is we're asking forgiveness from God, as you mentioned. It's about the, you know, we, we uh, confess our sins and we ask forgiveness from God. The problem until you're is forgiven or until you ask forgiveness. Well, you can't ask forgiveness from God for a sin until you're first forgiven from your fellow man. So let's say you wronged someone, you you uh, insulted someone in public. Okay. So what we're saying is, if you come to Shul on Yom Kippur and you're asking God for forgiveness, but you didn't yet um, ask the person you insulted for forgiveness, so then you're not you're not going to get anywhere with God. And if he didn't okay? forgive you, no food. You have to have three times. You have to have three times, right? We'll get there. Three times. If the person forgives you after one time, you're fine. Meaning if you have it, yeah. So we'll get there. What's your question? No, I'm saying if he doesn't forgive you. So we'll talk about it in a second. So I put two cases, two act, two, uh, um, 
These are fictional cases. If you know anyone this happened to, please don't uh, talk about it. Um, so the one of them, one of them is the question is the dilemma becomes what happens where your friend doesn't know you wronged them. That's case number one. So I know I wronged someone, but they don't. They right. So the question is now I'm, I'm friends with them. If I go ahead and let them know that I insulted them, so I'm going to be ruining my relationship with them. So do do I go ahead and I know it could be, I'll cause more pain? But if the person doesn't know you insulted them, you spoke Lashonar about them at the Kiddush, they weren't there on Shabbat at the Kiddush, and you really disparaged them. And then comes now it's Rosh Hashanah time, you want to go ask Mechila, so you want to go ask forgiveness. The problem is they don't know you wronged them. So do I go ahead and let them know that I wronged them, where I'm going to cause them more pain now, and it'll probably ruin the relationship. But if I don't ask for forgiveness, so then I'm stuck on the Day of Judgment, I'm stuck on Yom Kippur without getting forgiveness. I can't go to God. So what do I do? That's the lemon number one. Michael, what do you want to say? No. I, you have an answer? Question or an answer? Question or an answer? Question, I'll ask afterwards. Yes, don't be shy. I have the same. Okay, I'll tell everybody. Confess my sin, everybody. Somebody did something that I really thought was unsavory to me. And I ignored, after that they called the call, I ignored the phone call. They knew they didn't. <laughs> I said something about it. And they, they asked me for a favor and I said no. I realized about four days ago that I said no because I was holding a grudge against this person. Yeah, but if they didn't forgive you, you let all the grudge. You only now let all the grudge if they if they uh, if they didn't forgive you. I have the grudge. He has the grudge. He is the one. Oh yeah. Oh okay. I realized. I thought about. I said, wait a minute. I remember this person's phone calls and they asked me to do something. I didn't do it. It was maybe because I was holding the grudge. And I was thinking about that. Should I, should I apologize too much? You know, should I go ahead and be both of me or yeah. they don't even know I had a grudge. Like, what do you mean they don't know? You said you told them. No, I, t I told them that I didn't like what they did, but I'm, I don't think they do. So that means that, that you're upset. You told them you're upset. So that's sufficient. Okay, so no, I'm saying, you, so they know you're upset, so the question now becomes, should should you forgive them? Yes, we're going to talk about them. You have your, your obligation is to forgive them, but they have to ask for forgiveness, meaning if someone has no remorse about what they've done, you're not obligated to forgive them. So, how can you forgive them if they don't You can, it's a nice thing. No, you can, you could still in your heart forgive them, but if someone didn't change, meaning they have no remorse, if they know what they did wrong, and they have no remorse, then you're not obligated to forgive them. It's not Christianity or Catholicism where we say, uh, you know, someone kills someone, we, you know, you always see that in the news, they murdered my sister, but I forgive them, that's the rule, it's not Judaism, that's, that's wrong, we don't do that. They have remorse, and they come to you and ask and plead for forgiveness. What if somebody does something to wrong you, but they don't think that they did it wrong, they did it that they wronged you, and you know that if you go to them, it's not going to produce anything. So again, so, you're, so if they don't have remorse about what they've done, you're not obligated to forgive them. The obligation to forgive comes only if they do tshuva. Because they have to do tshuva on their actions. Tshuva, part of the tshuva process is asking for forgiveness, coming to the person you wronged. And, and I'm not going to ask them for because they won't make a difference to them. Like, how can you make Yeah, you can never know. But well, sometimes you do. If it's a spouse or something. Yeah, but you still have to, you have an obligation to let them know they wronged you, and 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 then it's up to them if if they're gonna do true, you know they'll ask for forgiveness. And that your your part is to you should let them know they wronged. Again, the question here is the opposite way, where 
I wronged someone, but they don't know that I wronged them. By letting them know, it's going to cause more problems. It's going to cause more angst for them. Um, sever the relationship, probably, and so that's the question. Do I go ahead and do it anyway? That's question number one. Quite a similar case, which um, which is actually this. Uh, my my wife was giving a class. This is around ten years ago. I can say where. And I took class to a group of women, and uh, she was talking about forgiveness. And the, and after the class, or actually during, or maybe during, the question was: This woman said that she had wronged her husband. She had an affair at some point in the relationship, many years before. <laughs> and she said her question to my wife was should her husband knows nothing about it. they're happily married it happened a long time ago the guy, she's never been with the guy since so does she go ahead and ask forgiveness for her husband what should she do <laughs> she has to do too I mean she uh, she has to get forgiveness in order to be forgiven from God she needs to get forgiven from from the person she wronged so what do you do so what so what do you do so, so that's so those are the two dilemmas. So my wife didn't know the answer, so she called me. I didn't know the answer, so I called another rabbi. He didn't know. Interesting. I know she felt terrible about it. So does she go ahead and, and do something about it? So then, if if, if she if she feels remorse and she does tshuva, yeah, but again, God can't forgive you until the person you wronged forgives you. That's the rule of thumb. But the question is, is that so? Meaning her going going and admitting this cause more pain. Okay, that's the question. That is the question. Anna probably could ruin her marriage. The question is, do I do tshuva or not? You can't have a complete tshuva without forgiveness from your fellow man if you sinned against your fellow man. That's the bottom line. Ellie, what do you say? It's not required to tell the world. So you shouldn't, don't do tshuva. So what are you going to do? I mean, how do you get forgiven then? But you can't, God can't forgive you. Meaning it's not even up to God. The point is God can't forgive you if your fellow man didn't. If you grieve someone, until that person forgives you, he can't forgive you. So I'll never be forgiven. So that means I'm going to go to my grave. I'm, I'm uh, without, that's true. I understand that. But the question is, so what does that mean? So I'm going to, so I, I'm going to burn in hell. My action, because I can never be forgiven by God. Burn in hell? They're saying they're both saying. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's his class. He's talking about death. Go to Rabbi Walmsley. One of the answers. Okay, so. We just have it on our conscience all the time. That's a Jewish hour. Okay, so these are two questions. So, so let's learn a little Rambam. See what the Rambam says. The Rambam says like this When one person sins against another, the offended person should not begrudge him and stay quiet. Rather, he's obligated to protest and say, Why did you do this to me? It's like in your situation, you need to tell if someone did something to you and they're not sure, or in your case, where you're not sure they understand that they did something wrong to you, you're obligated, they need you need to tell them. Doesn't mean you, you make a fight and you punch him in the face, but it means he needs to, you need to let him know that they did something wrong. Because if you don't let them know, then obviously they can't they can't fix it. And you have to give them that opportunity to fix to ask for forgiveness and to realize. So if they don't realize that they did something wrong, then you can never. That's step number one. And Manny says so. You should let the person know. Okay. Now then he goes on to explain the next. This is my Manny's law number two. Um, on my page, Chuva and Yom Kippur can only atone for sins, as we said, that man commits against Hashem, such as eating non-kosher food, etc. However, so that's so there, there's two types of sins, as we know. There's something called Ben Adam Limakom, 
means between man and God, and then there's Ben Adam Lechaveiro between man and, and fellow man. So what the Ram is saying is Yom Kippur can only atone for sins Ben Adam Lemakom between man and God because God could forgive you. You come to Shul, you plead with God, you cry a little, fast a little, and then you're good to go. You're, you're, God forgives you for your sins. That's just, however that works. We're not, without getting into the philosophy of it, but but that's how Yom Kippur works. It erases your sin not by itself. Again, there has to be you have to have the three steps of tshuva, which is which is zivat uh, one, one is you have to accept not to do the sin any longer in the future. Number two is you have to have harata. You have to have remorse, regret, right? Remorse on doing the sin. And number three is vidu, which you have to have confession. That's between you and God, not between you and the rabbi, not between you and, and your therapist or between uh, you and your, your AA class, whatever it is, you, it's between you, only between you and God. It's a personal thing, right? So after that, God can forgive you. But says my man, it's only between for sins that a man commits commits against God, such as eating non-kosher, etc. However, when a man commits a sin against his fellow man by injuring him, cursing him, robbing him, or insulting him, whatever it is, or having an affair with your spouse, he's not forgiven. He or she is not forgiven until he pays his debt. So number one is if, let's say, you injured someone, you you damage their property. So until you pay back the damages, can't be forgiven either. It's not going to help um, because you need to make amends. So amends means if it's a monetary issue, then you need to pay. You need to pay up. That's number one. Number two is you have to appease the injured party. Okay, that means so even after I pay up, so there's two parts to it. If I damage, I, let's say I smash someone's car window. So besides, there's the monetary aspect. I have to pay for the damages, and then I have to appease them, meaning say I'm sorry for what I did, assuming it was intentional, obviously. Right. So there's two parts to it. So he said, Ram says, step number one is you have to fix what you did wrong. Step number two is appease the injured party. So even after he compensates for the damage done, you must appease him and ask him for forgiveness because again it's a sin whatever I did to him if I punched him in the face so there's two parts to it there's the, the actual damages that you speak to Mr. Cinnamon right his personal injury and then there's the there there's the uh, for, he still has to forgive you so even if I made amends and I and he paid up for the damage I paid him for his broken nose but I still need to ask for forgiveness because I, I, I hurt him I hurt his feelings right so that's step number two says Maimonides, says Rambam. Even if his offense was only verbal, so let's say there was no monetary damage, it was just verbal, he must persevere until the offended party forgives him. So it means if I insulted someone, when well, I embarrassed him in shul, I spoke Russian horror about him, whatever it is, um, so I need to ask him forgiveness. If the injured party refuses, and this is what you were saying, to forgive him, then he should appear before him with his three close friends and ask him for forgiveness. So you need to do it, try to do it, not a, again, you're not trying to embarrass him in public, but, but he needs to know it's a serious matter, you come like a bet did okay if he still refuses he should repeat this process a second and third time so you have three chances meaning you get the person has three chances to forgive you okay so you need to go through the process three times and, and, and all of those three times you have to have three people with you no. no. Well, he says if he doesn't want to forgive you, you should try it with three people, just to make it more serious. But you don't have to have three people. You have, you have to ask him three times. Okay. That's the goal here. And it doesn't mean like just sending an email saying please forgive me. You know, like send it to your whole list in the subject, right? Yeah. You put it in the subject, please forgive me. Send it to your whole list. That doesn't work. It has to be genuine remorse. It has to be forgiveness. Okay. So so says the rabbi. Now after you've done it three times, if he still refuses um, to forgive after three times. 
times of asking for again genuine forgiveness, not just sending a text. Um, you should leave him, and he who refused to forgive is now the sinner. So now it's his problem. Once you ask three times for forgiveness, and the person still refuses to forgive, not, not just the phone call, I mean, it has to be that they really ask for forgiveness. So then now it's really they're the problem, not you. You did your part. You really had true remorse. You came to them. You wanted to make amends. You tried. Again, it doesn't mean also you go over. You know, some people do. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. That does. It has to be three real genuine times where you approach the person. My wife recently had this with someone. She said she people these people were upset. She had no idea why at, at her. Um, someone was upset at my wife. Um, you know, it was a school probably a school issue or something. Parents in school and she sent them an email like she wants to meet with them. What I do wrong? Like I want to understand. Like it seems like you're upset at me. So no like the people didn't respond. You know finally you know she just sent she sent an email and they, she said they, they said they forgive her. She doesn't know what they she did wrong yet. <laughs> she said, I want to be with you. Okay. And you're forgiven. Um, so, she, I, so she asked me, is that okay? I said, fine, yeah, if they forgave you, forgave you. Yeah, once they forgave you, you don't have to listen. You know, if that's fine with them, as long as they're genuinely forgiving you, that's uh, you know, she wanted to be with them. She said, let's clear the air. Let's figure out what the problem. Well, I think that would be good anyhow. Just so you right, but if they don't want to, that's not no, your part. The point is, she's, if you once, as the Ram I'm saying, once I tried genuinely three times, you did your part, I'm done. Um, so that's what Ram says. Now they're the sinner. They become the sinner at that point. If the injured or offended party is his teacher, but if he's a rabbi or a teacher, meaning a teacher means a, a Torah teacher, then one must return even 1,000 times until forgiveness is granted. So it doesn't mean, by the way, any rabbi. It means whenever we talk about a rabbi it means it means someone who is what's called your rabbi muvak that means your the the teacher that you learn most of your wisdom from it doesn't mean just because you learned one time torah you know it's not your rabbi it doesn't mean any rabbi it's specifically when in halacha when it refers to your rabbi it means the one you learned most of your wisdom from your torah your judaic wisdom okay so, so, so that person says the Rambam, if referring to if you offended that your rabbi, want <coughs> to call your rabbi, then you have to. It's up to a thousand times. Three times don't work for for a rabbi. Okay. So it's a pretty serious law, but it's so serious, by the way, that the 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 Maimonides discusses. Let's say the person. You have to ask a thousand, but the rab the rabbi is supposed to forgive you by number three. Yeah, he's he's an idiot if he doesn't forgive you, but you still have to ask a thousand times, saying you're not off the hook with three times. Okay, now what's what's interesting is um, um, no, you should still, anyone should, you still should forgive someone. If they're coming with true remorse, you need to forgive you. But are we supposed to still, the adulterous wife should go and tell her? No, oh, yeah, we get it. We didn't get, we didn't get, we get, we get. I mean, we get to that. We get to that. So now the, the question now becomes. It was like the couple was married 60 years, and the wife tells she wants to tell her husband something that happened 50 years ago, and he divorced her. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Bye. <laughs> no forgiveness. 50 years ago. He said, "I forgive you, but I'm divorced." So, so what I, the Quran is also discussed just to show you how serious this is. Let's say the person you wrong died. So what do you do now? Can't forgive you, obviously. So says my man, he's Israeli Gemara. Says that you should, you need to take a minion to his grave, just to show you how serious this is. I mean, forgiveness is. You got to take a minion, go to the person's grave, and ask for forgiveness at the grave. Said so obviously he's not gonna, not gonna hear an answer. But the assumption is, 
that he's in the right place where he's going to forgive you. What if he does? <laughs> you hear voices, then that's a bigger problem. Okay, so but, but just that's just to show you how serious this concept is. Not just, okay, listen, the guy died. I'm sure he forgave me, you know, on his deathbed. Yeah, you got it. It's serious stuff. Okay, so now, the, there are many of the commentaries discuss that, uh, and by the way, I've, I've once participated, someone asked me once to come to the cemetery to do this. So people actually do this. It's a real thing. Oh He's someone, uh, <laughs> Don't let them die. Yeah. You can't die. So, uh, forgive me. Is, it, is, it, is, it, is that why people do the whole deathbed confession? Oh, that's, that is. Like, but that's they're confessing. They're not forgiving. I mean, there is a concept also forgiving. Yes, we'll, we'll talk about that actually. The sitter, by the way, is a beautiful prayer talking about forgiving someone every night. That uh, you, you know, we'll read it if we have time at the end, which goes through that you forgive anyone who wronged you that day. Um, so, there is that concept. But, therapeutic. Yeah. It's all Kabbalistic. Huh? It's in the Shema, yes. It's in the bedtime Shema. It's, it's written by the Rizal. So there is such a thing, Kabbalistically, to forgive all those. So I will discuss that why. So so I found, well, why is, in a certain sense, the, the Gemara seems to imply that sinning against a fellow man is worse than sinning against God. Now you think it's, yeah, like, what's, why? I was, okay, I sin against Hashem, so that's pretty bad. Right, but why? Why would sinning against another person be worse than sinning against Hashem? So, so one of the first I found the commentaries explains that a certain set when you sin against a fellow man, so you're doing this really two sins involved. If I sin against God, okay, so I did the sin, I have remorse, I do tshuva, now I'm good. God forgives me. Sinning against the fellow man, there's two sins involved. For one is God said, don't hurt your fellow man. Right? God said, don't do this, don't insult someone, don't uh, injure someone, don't hurt. And you're also sinning against him. So there's, there's two sins involved, so to speak. There's a sin that you're violating the Torah law, and the fact that you hurt someone else in itself, you sin again. So that's why, in that, in that sense, it's worse. Because you're also sinning against God. So the point, what's important to know is not, when you sin against fellow man, it's not just against fellow man. It's also sinning against Hashem. So that's why you need to, two forms of shuva. So meaning after you get the forgiveness, then you have to get back to Shua and Yom Kippur and, and still get forgiveness from God. Because meaning, the fact that your fellow man forgave you is not necessarily if you if you still don't get told to tshuva which is the three steps of tshuva we mentioned still not gonna you're still not forgiven as far as God's concerned so your man listen you, at least your fellow man forgave you but you still have to do tshuva the steps of tshuva okay um, so what, there's a fascinating thing I found in uh, in Yaakov it's a very strange concept where he says that if you if you don't get forgiven for your sins because that's what the, that's a gemara it's a mission that says if you don't get forgiven for your sins from your fellow man then uh, you're not you, you can't God can't forgive you for your sins so the 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 Ein Yaakov brings a pshat from the riff not the Rishon riff uh, where he says that not only will you not be forgiven on your sin what the Mishnah means is not only you're not forgiven for your sins against fellow man you're not forgiven even for your other sins against God God can't forgive you for any sins if you don't get forgiveness from your fellow man for your sins against fellow man it's a very strange concept why would that be it doesn't make any sense what does one have to do with the other 
Well, what he's interpreting, the, the Mishnah in the end of Tractate Yoma says that if you don't get forgiven by your fellow man, then God can't forgive you. Assuming the assumption is, the simple explanation is for your same sin, for that sin against fellow man. Because until man forgives you, for that sin, for you, the fact that you hurt him, God can't forgive you. Okay? But he's interpreting it, he's broadening it. He says it means for any sin. God can't forgive you on any sin if you're not forgiven by, if you hurt, if you hurt someone. Right. So, so what's the reason? So that's pretty strong, right? So, so the reason he explains. So one of the explanations I saw is because he says like this: it's it's me the connected me the meaning. Your the, the point is like this: it's very important philosophy to understand when we come to shul on Yom Kippur is, and when you come to shul on Yom Kippur, one of the especially also on Rosh Hashanah, if you look, you notice all the language of the machzor is all in plural. It's all about community. It's not about the individual. Yom Kippur we ask for ourselves, our own personal needs. But Rosh Hashanah is all about community. We say, uh, you know, God should forgive us everything in plural all the language you'll notice we say we have sin we have sin in front of you don't say I have sin and in Kippur we say I have sin I have, I have been guilty but on Rosh Hashanah it's all about we have sin yeah we say both but it's about but it's about the Yom Kippur is about the individual Rosh Hashanah is more about the community the reason is one of the reasons is because it's always better that's why we actually dive in a shul, really, you can dive in your home. You can talk to God anywhere. And why do I have to come to shul to pray? Um, the reason is because, two things. One is you want to be, you, when you judge on your own merits, it's never a good thing. Um, because you don't know if you're going to make, if you're going to make, make, make the cut. Right. Literally. Right? But if you if you judge as a community, we're hoping there's enough people all together, our merits are enough to, to make the cut. Like, like right. exactly. And do we have the bell curl? Right. Exactly. So, so the point is, so that's why we, we always want to, there's two parts, that's one part. We always want to include yourself as part of the community. The other part is, you want, you don't want to seem selfish. When you ask, when you pray to God, and this is all year round, it says, anyone who, who prays for his friend, prayer for his friend, his prayers will be answered first. What does that mean? The Talmud explains that, let's say you have a person who has a certain illness, okay, certain illness, or whatever their issue, they have a certain issue, so they're asking, they, have, they need money, they need parnasa. so they're asking God to help them uh, find parnasa. So if you just ask for yourself, so God looks at you, okay, should I give it to him, should I not, you judge on your own merits. If I go and say, listen, I'm God, I don't want it just for myself, I'm praying for all the people who need parnasa. praying for my other friend also, is in the same situation. So you're showing God that you care about your friend. That I I I have mercy on my friend. I also want my friend to be helped. It's not just about me. That's why in the Misha Barats for, for ill people, we say amongst the other sick people of the Jewish nation. You don't pray for individual sick person. Anytime you pray, you mention a name, you're supposed to say he should be healed amongst the other ill people. Right? Why? Because you're showing that I'm not just selfish. I'm not just concerned about this, you know, my father, my mother, my relative, my husband. I'm concerned about I'm concerned about all the ill people. They all, I, I care about everyone. Right, so that's a very important concept. Whenever you pray, you always pray for someone else. As a matter of fact, uh, 
the people who actually do this, they'll do people who uh, need to get married or have a, a first cousin. who's an older guy. He was in his 40s, and he decided that he's gonna. He had a roommate. They're both older guys, and they weren't married. So they decided they're gonna pray for, instead of praying for themselves. They each pray for each other, for the other guy. So there's a thing. This thing you say shir shirim for 40 days, some kind of schooler to get married. I don't know if it works. Doesn't it, man? I don't. Right. So 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 they. I just read this book. Um, it's about a um, guy who writes for uh, Esquire or something, and he he wrote this book, The Year of Living Biblically. Oh yeah, you know, I heard about it. Yeah. And then he wrote so a video about what? So I'm on video, yes. Yeah. And then he wrote a book. I didn't read that. And he wrote a book about. I mean, I feel like that's what I'm doing, right? For me. But then, then he wrote a book. Year of living healthy, and he wanted to make do the healthiest. He wanted to find out what's the healthiest, optimum way to live. So he goes through all these things. So, yeah. so one of the things he said is to relieve stress. He said people exchanging prayers, like you're, you're, you'll worry for me, you'll pray for me, you'll worry for me. I'll take that off of my. I'll worry about something for you, and exchanging the work psychologically. Psychologically, how this yes, you know, mm-hmm. it's the same so idea. So my cousin tried this thing. He so he did it for his roommate. He did it for his roommate. And his roommate did it for him, and my cousin at his, at his engagement party. So he got engaged, right? He, he I don't know if it was right or how soon after, but soon after. But he was very, he was the day of the Dafyomi that he got engaged. Was this Gemara that said Kol Mitbal Was that Gemara? So that's what he said over at his at his party. So, so, so the assumption is, if you pray for someone else, that you're sh- what you're, what's happening. So it's not a magic trick. We don't believe in uh, magic in Judaism. So what, how does it work? Why? Because I pray for my friends, it's gonna work. The point is, you're showing God that I'm not selfish. I care about someone else, just like I care about someone else. You should care about me. So that's the message you're giving God. So when you pray, and this is a good thing to know all year round, specifically in the holidays, when you're praying, you want to show God that it's not just about me. I'm not asking for myself. I'm asking for money so I can help the community, so I can give back. So right, I want a job so I can be a good better parent or better whatever it is so anytime you're, you're asking God for something you want to do it in a way where you're not being selfish so if I'm asking for someone else I'm also asking that it doesn't have to be only for someone else meaning point is I'm asking for Parnassa but I'm it's not just about me I'm asking for other people so that I know are in similar situations so I'm showing God what's called Mida connected Mida I'm showing God that I have I'm compassionate so therefore God will show will show back to me his compassion Meaning uh, there's a concept in Judaism that's called Mida connected me. Right, uh, we like to say tit for tat. So, so with God, measure for measure, right? So, so God will show if you're compassionate. If you show God that you're compassionate, then hopefully He'll show that back to you and be compassionate. So that's I think that the way to explain the same thing. What we're saying is God can't forgive you on any of your sins if you don't show compassion. Meaning, if you didn't get forgiveness from your friend who you wronged, it means you don't care enough to get forgiveness. You're not a compassionate person. You wronged someone. You insulted someone. You didn't go and get forgiveness from him. So then God is not going to forgive you on any of your sins, not because it's a, it's not a magic formula, it's just that if you're not a compassionate person, so then why should God forgive you? You, know, you need to show God that you're compassionate in order to get it, to receive His compassion on all sins, so that's why it's connected, that's how I saw an explanation explaining this, uh, This. that's how he explains it, okay? wondered like if you if you go to a person and you ask them for forgiveness like why is it that and, and if you if you go and you are truly 
totally repented. And they are the one that is being stubborn and, and hard-hearted. Why is it that you have to go and beg for forgiveness? No, because at the end of the day, you wronged them. You did the you did the sin here. So you listen. You need to lower yourself to. to no, so that's why it's three times and then you're done. No, but listen. At the end of the day, it's easy for us to talk about it theoretically. There's two parts. It's very hard to lower yourself to ask for forgiveness, but it's also when you really piss someone off. They have a right to be upset at you. you know, it's not so simple to forgive someone. Someone really angered you. No, that's something else. They are choosing to hold it against you. Right. So that's why you got the three-time rule. That's why the man is saying if you've done it three times and you sincerely went to them and truly asked forgiveness, no, then you're right. I know you did the right thing. You Your did something shows by accident that's different. Because now you're saying I didn't really intend to hurt them. But everybody has perception, though. Somebody can yeah. do something by accident. And the other person really thinks you didn't touch. You have to look at it from more than just your own perspective. You know, you can really hurt somebody by something by accident. And they may feel like you did it on purpose. I mean, it's, you can't just look at it where it was accident. So why are you so worried about it? No, it's, it's, listen, there's always opposite different perspectives, but it's, it's hard. Both ends are hard. Asking for forgiveness is very hard, and forgiving is sometimes very hard, especially in a case like this. We have an affair. So someone had an affair. It's, it's, a, it's not an easy thing to forgive. So you know, it's easy to say, yeah, you forgive me. And the, you know, many times the person will say, and many times the person will say, yeah, I forgive you, but do they really mean The forgiveness also has to be yeah. sincere. And if you just say I forgive you and you're saying the words, then, but you don't really mean it, and you still hold a grudge, right? That's so yeah, that's that's bad too. Meaning, learning to forgive is not an easy thing either. So, so there's both parts, there's both perspectives. Okay, so so now there are exceptions to the rule. Um, so, so one famous story is a famous story about if you let's say, in spite of this is very relevant today where we have social media where, I mean I've seen this in action where someone can post one stupid thing on their Facebook, you know, they have two thousand friends and and that's it they ruin someone's business, ruin someone's reputation whatever it could be I mean the guy someone's dating someone and then they post you know they went on a date with this woman or a man they posted a fail this guy was terrible you know that's it the guy can't get a date for the next you know uh, three years. <laughs> Right, six years. So, so, so in today, especially in today's world, it's it's we don't realize the power of social media. I mean, that's that's why I try to stay off Facebook as much as possible. So, it's a good idea. Um, it's it's you don't realize it. You post even about a restaurant, about any little thing. Do you go eat somewhere and you write, oh, the food was terrible, the service was terrible. Yeah, it has such an impact. Right, I'm saying it's not you, normal. Right, I mean, because you don't even know. Even if you only have 20 friends, but right. that someone, then now one of your friends reposts it. Right, right. So they repost, they share your post, and now I mean, you can literally tempt that right. I'm not saying kill their reputation. So something to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, something to really keep in mind. Need the power of social media is, is has good uses but it's it's very scary so the, the problem is so this is one of the exceptions the Talmud Yushami says that if you ruin your, someone's reputation they don't have to forgive you because it's impossible to fix someone's reputation if I went ahead and posted something on Facebook and now 2,000 people know got that post okay and now they shared I have I have 2,500 friends and I don't know any of them and now maybe 20 of them. <laughs> I have 2,500 friends, right? If I post something and those 2,500 people now 
know, even if ten of them, I mean, it's it's crazy. How you realize? I mean, he could have in one in less than an hour ten thousand people seeing that one post, which is nuts. So you so you post something, you know, said something negatively about someone. That's it. So there's no way how you ever gonna retract that. You can ask forgiveness from today to tomorrow. There's no way, and you can post again. Really didn't mean it. You know, there's no way you can you can retract. Okay, it's like all these. Yeah, like it's, right. I'm saying you have to put it on Snopes. You know, you get it on Snopes. Nobody reads the apologies. They just read the accusations. So uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. Your stories. Once the story starts, especially with the web, it was a story this week. You see that story with this. It was uh, the the president of Israel visited the Pope. Do you see that? So he, his secretary is a, is a from woman. So the story. So they, they had a picture of the Pope bowing. She's a woman in Shaito, and the Pope was bowing to her, and he was whole, covering his cross. So the story going around was that she told he shook he stuck out his hand, and she said he, she doesn't shake, and she said also I can't you know because the Orthodox I can't be wearing a cross. Customers to the Pope you're supposed to bow. She said I can't bow because so he covered the cross and he, and he didn't shake her hand. The Pope how that was. The story. It was in news outlets. It was all over. Yeah, they were so upset, <laughs> disrespect, and all. That. No. So the, what's amazing was the story never. It's totally false. <laughs> it's like a totally false story. Never happened. She, Pope was told before not to shake her hand, but he wasn't covering cross. He was just bowing. Like nothing that was in the story ever happened. It was like all over. It was like on every uh, you know news it's website. So easy. If it's the truth or if it's not the truth, it doesn't matter. You can't trust anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the game that we used to play, telephone. telephone. You sit in a circle and you like whisper, and by the time that it gets to the end, it's nothing how it started. Right, so, so the Talmud Yushalmi says that if someone ruins his reputation, you're, you're not obligated to forgive them. Because you can't fix the situation. Again, a prerequisite of forgiveness is to make amends. That means, to, as Maimonides says, he has, to, he has to pay his debt compensate them and then appease, appease the injured party since there's not possible says the Talmud Yushalmi you don't have to forgive you're not obligated to forgive it it's, it's gives an example the famous analogy is uh, a guy came to the rabbi and said you know I, I spoke so bad about someone's business I ruined their reputation what do I do what's the tshuva so the rabbi told him go take a, a down pillow go to the top of the mountain cut it open and throw the feathers off the mountain throw the pillow off the mountain all the feathers so he goes and he does it and he comes back to the rabbi he says, now what now, now what do I do? He says, go and pick up all the feathers. Go try, go pick up the no, you can't, it's impossible. No, you can't do tshuva on that. Once you ruin someone's reputation, there's no tshuva you can do. That's why that's why you have to be so careful when you're speaking about someone else. And especially writing. Right. And especially yeah, writing. Facebook. In the age of True. dispersion. So that's that's one exception. Another exception is as we mentioned, if one owes him money, he refuses to pay or denies his debt, so you don't have to forgive him. Not obligated to forgive him if the guy doesn't want to pay you. Until he pays you, you don't, again, until he makes amends. Number C is, um, so let's say, like you said, let's say you know this guy's a chronic uh, offender, okay, is what we call it, chronic offender. This guy, it's going to happen again. Happened last year, he asked forgiveness, now he's coming back, now he did it again. It's three months later. Six months later, and if you're thinking of someone, do not say who. Um, right? So, so, so if it's a chronic offender, if you know this person is a chronic offender, then again, you don't have to forgive him. Because you know he's going to do it again, and there's no obligation. Don't waste your time. Yeah, right. so you don't, you're not obligated to forgive. Um, okay, so now I want to get to the last question here. So this, this is the, the getting back to the fair question. The question is, does the 
The case is, if I go to my friend, before we get to the affair case, if I, if I, if my friend doesn't know I wronged him, right, right if I, I go to him now, I spoke about Shonara and bad about the Kiddush, do I go and tell, do I go and tell him yeah. knowing it's going to cause more problems? Yeah. So what do you say, man? What do you say in that case? Don't say it. Well, I, I say you have to just because otherwise it's like it's a safeguard that will keep you speaking English and Arab. Right. No you did it. Now you did it. So now do I do I mess up the relationship? Like what do I do? You can do so many more prohibitions by the time. No, because there's, because there's, there's a thing where you're not, you're not allowed to call somebody else. <sighs> yeah, but again, I have to do chuva. So I have this dilemma. What do I do? Okay. <laughs> 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 it's two opinions. Okay, of course. no, I'm saying because first of all, sometimes they're gonna find that anyway. I mean, yeah, you, you need to know the situation. So the Chavetz Chaim says, and this is a quote in Chavetz Chaim, as we know, wrote the book on Lashon Hara. Okay, is that you have it right there? I mean, literally. Michael has it right there. Show us, show us the picture. Show us the picture. Right, so he uh, he he wrote the book. Um, so he says like this. He says if one has spoken badly about his dearest, the most beloved friend, and in a moment of weakness, he relates something negative about him to another, he must do tshuva by revealing transgression to the friend. Says the Chavetz Chaim, you need to go tell. You need to go say it. Okay. He says, he says, you got to do tshuva. Listen, tshuva entails yeah, getting forgiveness. There's no other way to do tshuva. So you're stuck. you got to do it. Okay, that's the Chavetz Chaim. Now, so this, by the way, Getting forgiveness yeah. for a wrong that he didn't, the man doesn't think he was wronged. He doesn't think, he doesn't know. He was wrong. He, he just doesn't know. It. Okay, so. He spoke badly about it. Well, it's only to be relevant to speak. What if you stole from him? Then of course you have to make him. Oh, you steal it from him. Yeah, then for sure you gotta go tell him. I mean, you gotta return the money. Oh, we'll get there. So that's a, we'll get to that. That's a separate issue. Right. So the first. So now, so fascinating. This is a fascinating historical footnote. Um, is that so the Chavetz Chaim wrote the book on Lashon Hara. So if you know, he, if, uh, if you in the, in the original book in Hebrew, so he has what's called Haskamos. That means uh, how do you say Haskamos in English? Yeah. Huh? A man, uh, not a, no. Uh, no, it means like, let's say you're writing a book, you oh, get the, 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 the... No, no, people... No, uh, uh, approbation. Uh, approbation. Uh, yeah. How do you use, what's, translate that for us? How, approbation. It means like, you know, in the back of the book, it says, uh, this book is an awesome book, you know, people who write, they quote... Uh, no, not acknowledgements. No, you know, in the back, you know, not sources. Oh, the people who write the... Uh, people who, who write this, you know, right, endorse the What's the English word? No, but in the back, even on, on secular books, they have in the back, you know, the three line, right? Like for movies, you have the critics who write awesome book. You know, they take one line and right. right. Right, so, so, so if you, the Chavetz, so in the Hebrew books, many times you'll find the beginning of the book, there's a letter of approbation. That means they went to a big rabbi, rabbi at the time, and they got an approbation of saying this is a great book. That, you know, this is a book that's based on Torah thoughts, etc. Approval of the book. So if you look in the Chavetz Chaim's book on Lashon Hara, he has, I think, three approbations. 
Russians. Now, when he wrote the book, the, one of the greatest Musser greats of the time was, was alive. His name was Rabbi Israel Salant, who was the founder of the Musser movement. He was one of the greatest ethical leaders of the time. And he has no approbation. You'd think the Chavetz Chaim writing this book on the laws of Lashonah, he would have got Haskama from Rabbi Israel Salant, who was one of the greatest rabbis of the time. So the story, supposedly, Oh, no, so this is the story, the, supposedly the story is that he, he brought his book to Rabbi Yisrael Salanta to review and Salanta, he left it with him for three days, he came back three days later, he said, what's, you know, and he gave me a letter of approbation, he said, no, so why not, he said, because this point, he pointed at this point and he said, I don't agree with that, and I cannot, I cannot give a letter of approbation because of this. Because you're saying, cause he's, and this is what he said, he writes, he says, one is not permitted to fulfill a mitzvah, as Valerie said, and gain tshuva at the expense of another's pain. To reveal his transgression to his lifelong friend who felt love as a brother is an act of cruelty. So what are you doing? You're going, he's saying, you're, you're harming the guy. You're right, because it's selfish. I want to get tshuva. I need to do tshuva. So I, I need tshuva, so what am I going to do? I'm going to go and hurt someone else to get my tshuva. So says Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, that, that is prohibited. Can't do that. So he refused to write a letter. You have been listening to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethics Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom.